Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part one of his teaching, Healing is Yours. Praise the Lord. This morning, we're going to start a series today called Healing is Yours. And this will be part one, God wants you well. I said, God wants you well. You know, I asked the Lord while I was still preaching the repairs and restoration series that we just finished, I asked him what I should teach on or preach on next. And immediately in my spirit, I felt impressed to teach on healing. Why? Well, because In the wake of COVID-19 and all the havoc that it's created, this virus and this this spirit of fear that's attached to this virus, you know, it's, it's caused people of faith. Even people of faith have begun to doubt God's word when it comes to healing. You know, COVID-19 has made people of faith begin to waver and back off on fundamental truths like God wants you well and healing belongs to you. Amen. So when it comes to divine healing, you know, there's a fundamental question that all of us must answer, and that is this, does God want us well? Is it always God's will to heal, or is it not? Well, when we get done with this series, I believe that you will be able to answer in the affirmative for both questions. Yes, God wants us well, and yes, it is always God's will to heal all the time. Amen. I know this sounds basic to many of you, but I found in over 30 years of teaching healing that sometimes the ones who've been taught the most on this subject still haven't settled it in their hearts and minds personally. They say things like, well, Brother Scott, I've got great faith to pray for others to be healed, but sometimes I struggle when I believe God for my own healing. And they'll come up with things like, you know, I haven't prayed enough. I haven't been in the word enough. I haven't treated my wife the way I should have. You know, I haven't walked in love with my brother and sister in Christ. Well, listen, let me just tell you right now, none of us deserve what Jesus bought and paid for and gave to us. None of us deserve it. So right off the bat, you need to know it's not your performance that granted you this grace and this mercy and this healing and this salvation, but it's Jesus' performance. It's what he did. It's what he bought for us in his death, burial, resurrection, ascension. Amen. Hallelujah. So I think the crux of the matter is this, especially when it comes to believers. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6 says in the New King James Version, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priest for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. Now, God was holding the priest through the prophet Hosea or the preachers of Hosea's day. He was holding them responsible for not teaching their people the written word of God. And because they weren't being taught the word, the Bible says the people of God were being destroyed. Now, this was true in Hosea's day. And unfortunately, this is true in our day, especially when it comes to the subject of divine healing. People are not healed in many of our churches today because they're not being taught that they can be. But the fundamentals haven't changed a bit. 
John 6, 63, Jesus said, My words are spirit and they are life. In other words, my words have power and life contained in them, and they will bring power and life into your body when it is needed. Amen. So knowledge of God's word brings the very life of God. That's what Jesus said. My words are spirit and they are life. But lack of knowledge of God's word brings destruction. Let's read Psalm 119, verse 92 and 93, English Standard Version. This particular passage points these things out uh, in both extremes. Just listen. Verse 92, if your law, that is the word of God, had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I would have been destroyed, the psalmist says. But verse 93 says, I will never forget your precepts, your laws, your instructions, your word, for by them you have given me life. So once again, knowledge of God's word brings life, but lack of knowledge of God's word brings destruction. So how did Jesus address divine healing in his earthly life and ministry? You know, it's a key question and the answer will tell us a lot. But before we answer that, you have to understand three things that were true about Jesus during the time that he walked on the earth. Number one, Jesus was the living word of God. Jesus was the living word of God. Number two, Jesus and the Father were one. Jesus and the Father were one. And number three, Jesus was the will of God expressed on planet earth. Amen. Jesus was the will of God expressed on planet earth. So let's take them one at a time. Jesus, number one, Jesus was the living word. John 1.1 and John 1.14, King James Version. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this person called the Word, according to John, was in existence with God eternally. And then at some point, He took on flesh. He became one of us. And as we know, He came to planet Earth as the man Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. So quite literally, Jesus became the living word of God. Amen. Psalm 107.20, King James Version. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Amen. Some translations say from their early graves. So he sent his word, his walking, living word. This is a prophecy about the healing ministry of Jesus. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Amen. But it can also be applied generally. He sent his word, his written word, the Old Testament and the New Testament together, who both declare that Jesus saves and Jesus heals. Amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1 through 3, these are mind-blowing scriptures. And I'm going to try not to go down the trail of the universe and how that this living word was the creator of all the galaxies. And he's the one who holds them all in place because that's not what I want you to see today 
from these scriptures. So let's start again here. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, verse 1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. You know, back in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament days, the only way the people of God, the ordinary people of God, could hear the word on a consistent basis was through the word of the prophets. But verse 2 says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Amen. Whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. You know, this living word, we read it in John 1.1. 1, 1. He's the one that was with God, and he was the one that was God. And if you read from verse uh, 2 through 13, it talks about that he created everything in the universe. He was God's agent of creation. But the thing I want you to see in verse 2 is this. He has in these last days, God has in these last days spoken to us by his son. What that means is the life and ministry of Jesus when he was on planet earth was meant to be a statement of what God was like. Amen. If you had any question about anything, about how he thought about it, what he would do about it, how he'd approach it, all you have to do is look at the son because the son was a perfect reflection of the father. Verse 3 says, who being the brightness of his glory, talking about the living word, talking about Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. You know, some translations say the exact duplicate. Others say the perfect imprint. So Jesus was the express image, the exact duplicate, the perfect imprint of the Father. If you wanted to know how the Father would act if He was on planet Earth, all you had to look at was Jesus because He was God in the flesh. He was the living Word. Amen. 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 So number two, Jesus and the Father were one. We're going somewhere with this, so hang on. John 10, verse 30, King James Version. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. We are in complete unity. Whatever he says, I say. Whatever he thinks, I think. Whatever he does, I do. Amen. Because I and the Father are one. You know, in John 14, Jesus, on many occasions, and especially here in John 14, he's trying to get this fact over to his disciples that he and the Father were one. And they're having a discussion. And Philip says here in John 14, 8, New King James, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. In other words, we hear you talking about the Father and how much like him you are. All you have to do is just show him to us, and we'll be satisfied. Well, in verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So Jesus was basically telling Philip, look, if you want to see the Father, you're looking right at him. I look like him. I walk like him. I talk like him. I act like him. I think like him. You want to know what the Father is like? 
You're looking at the perfect expression of the Father in me. Amen. Hallelujah. Number three, Jesus was the will of God expressed on planet Earth. John 5, 19, New King James Version. I probably should have told you this earlier, but I'm telling you now, we're going to go over a lot of scriptures. And my intent is not to overload you with scriptures, but rather to give you superfluous reason to believe that God wants you well. Amen. John 5, 19, New King James Version. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. We talked about it before. Jesus only did what he first saw his Father do. He was in perfect unity with the Father. John 5.30, New King James Jesus again speaking, I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Listen, I hear from the Father and then I act because I always do the will of the Father who sent me. That's why I came to planet Earth to show you the perfect expression of the will of God. And that's what we're talking about here this morning. Does God want you well? Is it his will for you to be healed? John 6, 38, New King James Version. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Amen. Hallelujah. John 8, 29, New King James Version. Jesus again speaking, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. What an astounding statement. In fact, I picture Jesus standing before a crowd of Pharisees and scribes and scoffers and doubters and saying, Listen, I never miss it. Not one time can you catch me in a sin. <laughs> in one place he says, which of you can convince me of sin? Can prove that I've sinned just one time? Nobody can. Because I never miss it. And I always do the Father's will. What an amazing statement. Nobody else on the planet could say that but Jesus. Because he was the only truly perfect human being. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus was the perfect expression of the will of God on planet earth in action. I like to think about it like this. He was the will of God turned loose on planet earth. So if we want to know God's attitude towards sickness and disease and what he would do about it if he were on the earth, we need look no further than the healing ministry of Jesus. Amen. So hang on to your hat. This is the superfluity that I promised earlier. Superfluous reasons to believe that God wants you well. Amen. Acts 10.38, King James Version. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Did you hear that? And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So sickness and disease, according to this scripture, sickness and disease is an oppression of the devil. And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth to lift that oppression off the people of God. 
You know, that's some pretty basic theology there. God good, devil bad. Think about it. It's deep, but it's true. Matthew, that's a joke, folks. You can laugh. <laughs> Matthew 4, 23 and 24, New King James Version. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's continue. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, New King James. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Now, we're going to camp here for just a minute because this is the only place in all the Bible where anyone overtly asked the Lord about his will concerning healing. This leper said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This is where most of the people in the body of Christ are today. They believe that Jesus is able, but he's not willing to heal them. But here, Jesus answered the question, I am willing, be cleansed. He'll answer your question the same way. Matthew 8, 5 through 7, New King James. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, you got to know that a centurion was a Roman officer who was over 100 men. And Jesus knew that if he went into his home, the home of a Gentile, he would be declared unclean. Yet Jesus was so concerned about the servant of this centurion, he was willing to go with him and go in his house and heal his servant regardless of all the guff he would take about it later. I will come and heal. So do you think it was Jesus' will to heal that servant? Absolutely. Absolutely. Matthew 8, 16 and 17, New King James. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. He healed all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So not only do we see that Jesus healed all, when he healed all, it was a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that Jesus would take our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. And with his stripes, if you read the whole thing, we were and are healed. Amen. Matthew 9, 35, King James Version. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. I said he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. That demonstrates will to heal. He left no one out. Amen. 
Matthew 12, 15, New King James. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there. He knew about a plot by the Pharisees to murder him. So he went somewhere else. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. He didn't leave anybody out. He didn't say to one or two, listen, you guys are going to have to hang on to this sickness for just a little while because God is trying to teach you something, and he's going to get glory as you suffer through this miserable disease. And at the end of it, maybe I'll heal you, maybe I won't. That is treacherous doctrine, and it's killed a lot of people. Matthew 14, 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. The very first thing he did before he ministered in any other way is he healed their sick. Luke 4, 40 to 42. New King James. Now pay attention because this is a, a mind blower, rock your world passage of Scripture. It demonstrates so vividly how the will of God is always to heal. The will of God is always to take care of people's needs. God loves people. God cares about people. He wants them saved, forgiven of their sins. He wants them healed. He wants them delivered. He wants them prosperous, living an abundant life. That's God's will. How could he exclude healing from that formula? Only religious thinking will, will, will make you think that. John 4, 40 to 42, New King James. When the sun was setting, I want you to take note of that. When the sun was setting, or it was getting dark, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Now, this is going to be a little bit more fantastic as we go along, but this was in... Peter's house in Capernaum, word got out, Jesus was the healer, and they started streaming in by the multitudes into Peter's house. I imagine it was an open door on one side of the house and an open door on the other side of the house, and they just came in, got healed, and went out to make room for the more that were following. It says, and demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Verse 42, now when it was day. Verse 40, we began when the sun was setting. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. That means that Jesus stayed up all night laying hands on the sick. All night laying hands on the sick. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. No wonder. No wonder. So what a statement made by Jesus concerning his will and, and by extension the will of the Father God concerning divine healing. Listen to me. Jesus stayed up all night and laid hands on every single person who needed a touch from God. Don't tell me God doesn't want you well because the Bible says he does. Don't tell me it's not God's will for all to be healed because the Bible says that it is. Amen? Amen. All right, next week we'll pick it up with part two of Healing is Yours. We hope you enjoyed part one of Dr. Forrest's message, Healing is Yours. 
If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.